day, everyone, and welcome to Talk with Tom. I am your host, Aaron Wilker, and on today's episode of Talk with Tom, we continue with our theme for February of relationships with the discussion of part four of Jack Canfield's best-selling book, The Success Principles, and this section is Creating Successful Relationships. But before we get started, I want to mention that the sponsor of this episode of Talk with Tom is Tom's free ebook, The 2018 Success Planner. And the most successful people I know, they create superior results, and yet they still are able to maintain a balance among work, family, and recreation within their lives. And this life organizer has been designed for you. Um, for those very reasons, and I urge you to download this free resource today to help you maximize both your efforts and your time in 2018. And you can download this valuable free resource at Tom's website, successseriesllc.com forward slash documents forward slash successplanner.pdf or simply go to Tom's resource page on his website, successseriesllc.com. And now it is a great privilege for me to introduce my coach, my mentor, and my friend, Tom Hart. Hello, Tom. Hello, Aaron. How you doing today? I am excellent. And yourself, sir? I am fantastic. Very good. Well, Tom, so today... We're going to talk about creating uh, successful relationships. And so before we do that, I understand that you want to make a disclaimer regarding this. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, the disclaimer is that I'm divorced, and I don't call that a failed relationship. And for those divorcees out there, uh, put it in reference to that as well. Uh, oftentimes, people think of their most a significant relationship, their husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, as uh, the, the genesis of this topic. But actually, when we talk about relationships and the relational life area, it's not just that relationship that is your primary love relationship. It is also your relationship with your family, your parents, your children, your business team, uh, coworkers, etc. So in the context of uh, relationships, uh, know that there's a broad spectrum that we're talking about here. And what you'll find as we talk about this section is that there's, uh, it relates to both those significant love relationships, but also team relationships. Excellent. Yeah. And business, um, if you don't mind just saying, I, I'm extremely grateful. I just heard from an old work associate, the gentleman used to work for me in a warehouse, and he's now an operations manager at another facility, and he thanked me because I was the first manager he ever had, pulled him aside and said, you can do more. And, you know, so those all types of relationships, like you say, that's a good thing. Um, so Jack Canfield's creating successful relationships from his success principles book, we would begin with principle number 48, which is what, Tom? <laughs> well, principle 48 is be here now, here, H-E-A-R. So um, there's a big difference between hearing and listening. And so to truly listen, you understand the complete message, and it requires more than just hearing what the words are, but also maintaining eye contact, watching the person's body language. You know, active listening like that really ensures accuracy and fairness. And those are two key elements to relationship. So when I do a team meeting, um, I bring in all the discipline uh, for my real estate projects. I bring in all the disciplines, marketing, the land planners, finance, et cetera, and, and uh, we go around the table and have um, kind of a download of what's going on in each of their areas. Uh, I just ask them, tell me what you feel the breakdowns are, what do you need from me, what do you need from other members of the team, 
and I just listen and take notes and don't speak. I, I want to have them have an opportunity to, in the context of the team, to do a download for everyone on what their concerns are. Now, I'll give you an example of how this relates to um, kind of in the case of a real estate investment where profitability is. You know, I had this one occasion where sitting around the table, the land planners were, were um, presenting the, the overall master plan of this master plan community. And there was one area, one, uh, one of our phases within the project. It was a thousand acre project with, a, with about seven phases. And one of the phases was kind of a afterthought, if you might say, where there were some developable acres that we could create this little enclave of homes. And um, what we did was we lotted it out to show, oh, I don't know, probably 50 or 60 estate lots, which were, you know, larger lots, more, you know, a gate, exclusive gate entry, that kind of a thing to the phase, et cetera. And, and it was really planned in kind of a uh, simple way. And uh, one of the marketing people kind of asked the question of, you know, well, what's going on with that, that little enclave there? And the land planners explained it. And the engineers kind of debated about how, you know, it was tough topography. And, you know, some of the reasons that they did what they did was, was for those reasons that kind of limited them in the number of lots and the layout and some of the things that kind of drove how it, it laid out. And, and then when everybody was done kind of doing their little download of not just that one phase but other things, um, as I was uh, uh, planning my next team meeting, I thought, you know, I'm going to help the group kind of see how that little enclave relates to the overall master plan. And so the next time I set up the, meet, the team meeting, I said, look, usually we'll go around the table, but in this case I just want to present the pro forma and kind of show you guys the financial side of the project. And as I started out that next meeting, which was a genesis of the previous meeting of the talk about this little enclave, I said, look, pretend you guys had a hundred grand of your own money that you put into this deal and each of you, and there's, I don't know, eight or 10 disciplines there. So that's seven, $800,000. And it's now your money on the line with this project. And let me run you through the pro forma. And what I showed them was those 50 or 60 lots that were in that little enclave was the entire profit for that five-year span. And that the whole project profitability related to that one little enclave. And had the marketing person and the engineers and the land planners not had that previous uh, week's discussion around that little enclave, I wouldn't have zeroed in on that one little enclave to show them that, hey, every 60 lots counts <laughs> because that was the profitability for that five-year span. Everything else was basically break, break even, you know, bringing it to break even. So all the other lot sales previous to that little enclave were breaking even. And to get a return on their 100000 each or the 700000 total, they needed to have that little enclave be the best plan so that have the fastest absorption, the highest price premiums, all that, all that else would feed into the, to the um, profitability. And so there's an example where just using that method of listening, where I'm just wanting them to do a download of what, what works and what doesn't work. And as a team collectively be discussing it, it, it gave me the opportunity to then show them the importance of not just, that little enclave, but the importance of that methodology of, of having that, that listening. Another key point to listening is that you want to be interested as opposed to interesting. When we go out and network, we often are tempted by wanting to talk about ourselves, but really the way you build relationships is by establishing rapport with the people by being interested in them and asking questions about them. So that's key as well to this particular principle of, of listening. So that's principle number one of this section of create successful relationships, and it's actually uh, number 48 in the, in the success principles book. The next principle – I, Well, yes. let me, let me – that, that last statement that you said, be interested rather than interesting, um, I believe that's – 
one of the first rules of good sales, isn't it? Oh, definitely. That's how you build rapport. Right. You know, it's, it's not what are you trying to sell them, it's what are their needs and how can you help them. So. Well, and you can imagine in coaching, obviously, I'm doing a lot more listening than, than advising. And until I'm able to grasp all the facts from listening, can I then really facilitate them, the client, coming up with their own answers, their own uh, action steps? Um, it's not so much coaching in the form of giving advice, although I do that with my business clients quite often, but in life coaching, it's more about facilitating that individual toward determining or finding out their own answer to what their question and concern is. The next principle, principle 49, principle 49 is have a heart talk. Now, this is another group kind of thing. It can be done with a size group of between two and 10 people. In fact, if you have more than 10 people that you want to use this uh, method with, you best break it down to smaller groups. But it works with, with uh, two to 10. And, and it really is based on the assumption that rarely do we have the opportunity to express feelings and to be heard. And especially in a, in a love relationship or in a significant relationship like that, there, there can be this buildup of emotional static. And if people aren't having an opportunity to really speak, that builds, and then obviously one day it'll just blow up. And so the heart talk is a methodology that's a very structured communication process and a powerful tool for surfacing and, and releasing these unexpressed emotions. And really what it boils down to is that there are some basic agreements in it. And when you first start it and you first want to do that uh, methodology, you want to kind of explain these agreements, get everybody on board. And by everybody, I don't necessarily mean that, you know, you would be so formal in a one-on-one situation, but you would probably by initiating this method, realize its value for each other because you basically take a turn speaking. And so what those agreements are is that um, whoever holds the object, the reason it's called a heart talk is because um, you can use an object that's shaped like a heart because you're speaking from the heart, but you can use anything. You can use a feather or a pen or a paperweight or, you know, whatever you want to use. But whoever's holding the object is the one speaking. And the, and the one listening isn't judging or criticizing. There's no, nothing else being spoken, just that one person is talking and then you pass the object to your left, you talk about how you feel, you get the information out, and everybody keeps that information confidential. Um, you kind of make the agreement that, hey, what we say here stays here kind of a thing. And then when you have the back and forth, you don't end it until you feel complete. So if you're doing it with your wife, let's say, um, you know, it, I would advise whoever's suggesting the hard talk would be the person that listens first uh, because obviously they have something to say, <laughs> but, but um, it kind of gives you a discipline of patience to say, why don't you go first? And then, you know, they might say, well, I don't have anything, you know, unspoken or unsaid. So you go first. Yeah. But if they do, you want to hear it. That gives you context. Then you can tell your uh, heart, speak from the heart. And, back and forth until you feel complete about it. So you would first want to ask if it were done in a group setting, whether they agree with those agreements because they're very important. And, and if they don't be kept and they deteriorate the value of the heart talk, but the result of the heart talk is that there's this enhanced listening skill that's automatic. It kind of teaches you how to do the listening that we talked about earlier. There's a constructive expression of feeling. It's not destructive. It's very constructive. There's improved conflict resolution, improved ability to let go of resentment. There's developing mutual respect and understanding. And obviously, the result of it all is that there's greater connectivity. And that's what you want. You want this, this connectivity with the person that you're having that heart talk with, because otherwise, why would you be speaking from the heart, you know? So the miracle of it all is that you become present, and underneath all of that anger and resentment and distrust, there's really nothing but love. 
And when you come from a place of love, you can create anything. So that's the value and the purpose and the structure of Principle 49 of Have a Hard Talk. Number 50, Principle 50 is tell the truth faster. Now, most of us avoid telling the truth because it's uncomfortable or because we're going to make others feel uncomfortable or hurt their feelings or risk their anger. And yet, when we don't tell the truth and others don't tell us the truth, we can't deal with the matters from a basis of reality. So oftentimes when you speak the truth of authentic people, people come to hear your perspective, your opinion. Um, as a listener, you, you want to take it in almost as an observer, you know, again, without the judgment, because, you know, that truth, that, that truth that you feel is being expressed. And maybe there is need for clarification or some other sorts of, of uh, questions that might surround it. But inevitably, when people speak the truth, because it takes a lot of energy to hold back your truth, and that energy, when it's released, can be used to focus on making greater successes in the other life areas. So when people speak the truth and get it off their chest, they always have this feeling of relief and this feeling of um, uh, being more energized by it. Actually, it's ironic when I when I um, use this practice in my coaching, people actually look younger and more vital uh, nearly immediately. So when you speak the truth, that's what it brings. God, I've got chills now running up and down my body because I just have these experiences that I recall now. And they're, they're just profound because I see it in people's faces, you know, this, this change that it creates. And in all these areas of life, you can um, have your energy flow to and therefore have better results as a, as a result of just telling the truth. Uh, and telling the truth faster. So in every area of our life, um, there's three things that need to be spoken of most, and those are the resentments that build up, unmet needs and demands, and appreciation. And they usually um, work in that order. So, you know, underneath all the resentments, there's usually some unmet need, unmet need and therefore you want to obviously ask the question, like, what is it that I'm wanting that I'm not getting? You know, what is that resentment from? And then underneath that, maybe there's a, a means of, of a truth. And then you make a commitment with yourself and with that person to at least, at least ask for what that thing is. Because if you have something missing and you're not asking, of course you're going to have a resentment. But if you're asking, now the ball's in their court. They can say yes and they can say no, but at least you've got it out there. And when you learn to speak your truth faster, it's going to be one of the most important success habits that you can develop because you want to get to a point where as soon as you think it, you say it, and with some, you know, with some thoughtfulness, like don't just spit it out, but give some, give some thought to what you're about to say because words are powerful. And that's when you become totally authentic and you kind of become this, what you see is what you get and people will know where you stand and you, they know that they can, you can be counted on because you're, you're speaking your mind, you're telling the truth and you're, and you're being authentic in their presence, which is what everybody wants as a, as a relationship. So that's the value there of uh, speaking truth faster and, and the reason why you would really want to go that route. Right. Very. And that leads us into the next principle, which I absolutely love. Um, and if you don't mind, I'm going to read the quote directly from Jack Canfield's book, The Success Principles, because this next principle, speak with impeccability. And the quote is, impeccability of the word can lead you to personal freedom to huge success and abundance. It can take away all fear and transform it into joy and love. That quote comes from um, Don Miguel Ruiz, and it's he's the author of the book, um, one of many books, but the, this book in particular is The Four Agreements, and 
from that book, that is agreement number one. And I just finished that book for the second time. Um, I've read it twice now in one year, and I just finished it this past weekend. Um, speak with impeccability. Tom, if you want to elaborate on that. Yes, please. In fact, I'll support that um, endorsement, really, of the four agreements. That book is typically on everyone's list of you know, books that made a difference in their life. So for the listeners, if you haven't read The Four Agreements, I would recommend getting it. It's a quick read, a small book that has a lot of profoundness in it. Um, and, and one of those four agreements is to speak with impeccability. Now, that's Principle 51 in Jack Canfield's Success Principles book. And in this section, we're talking about of creating successful relationships. Now, for most of us, our words are spoken without consciousness. And we rarely stop to think about what we were going to say. And just as I mentioned, words are powerful. Words have um, effect. They have a ripple effect. In fact, I'll talk about that as well. But typically, our thoughts and opinions just kind of roll off our, th- our tongues. But with successful people, on the other hand, they master their words. We, we think about what we're going to say before we say it, and we really are pensive about it. You know, back when we were growing up, our parents used to say, you know, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. You know, it's kind of that rule of thumb where speaking with impeccability is really speaking from your highest self. And our highest self will always speak with impeccability because it's coming from a place of love, and, and, and power and desire for betterment. And how I speak to you and about you determines the quality of our relationship. Now, I've seen this work in a positive way and in a negative way, where if I've spoken negatively, it deteriorates the relationship fast. Or if I'm spoken to negatively, I, it's in my head now, and I can't get that out unless it's resolved that, that that negativity was spoken to me and I, I hold it against that person. I, I view that person in that, in that, in those words. <laughs> and so the same can happen on a positive level where when you speak with impeccability uh, and by that, I mean, not just to others, but about yourself too. the self-talk that we have in our own own heads is part of this because if I express love and acceptance, to you or to myself, then I'm going to experience love and acceptance. My words put a certain energy or a certain um, reaction out there to others. And that reaction is usually returned to me. So it's powerful stuff. Everything you say produces an effect on the world. Um, What I'm about to say is going to either advance the cause, you know, my vision, my goals, etc., or it's going to deteriorate them or work against them. And so it's good to kind of take a step back before saying something, especially if you know that you're saying something that's maybe from emotion and just kind of stop yourself and breathe and, and think about that. Like, okay, is what I'm about to say going to help or hurt the cause, you know? <laughs> and if the cause is a relationship, then you want to know where you're coming from. And as the listener, by the way, I would say um, oftentimes if we do say something without thought and it's negative and it's um, deteriorating the relationship, as a listener, kind of put it in context. Maybe that person is stressed out by something else that has nothing to do with you. And if, it's a, if you're in a significant relationship, it could just be that your intention and, of course, their intention, even when they're being negative, is to have a positive relationship, have a have a love connection there or in a team setting that you're, you have a camaraderie that everybody one for all and all for one, we're all trying to get this project done or this, this task completed. And, and there may be some stress some deadlines or something that's pushing some negative emotion out and just give them grace to know that their intention is not that negativity. Their intention is to actually be more building up. So when you speak with impeccability and you speak when addressing others, you make a commitment to be impeccable in your speech. You make an effort to appreciate something about that person. You make a commitment to tell the truth as best you can. 
and it's your intention that every interaction is going to uplift them or the group or, you know, your, yourself if it's your self-talk. And those are key elements to this whole idea of speaking impeccable because there's such an impact on a, on a grander scale and, and, the, and the ripple effect out in the consciousness of the world and certainly a ripple effect within either a one-on-one relationship or that team setting that I've described. Now, principle 52, well, why don't we take a break and then I'll jump in with 52. Very, very, yeah, very good. I want to take this time to remind everybody that today's Talk with Tom is being sponsored by your free ebook, The 2018 Success Planner. And again, um, successful people are able to maintain the what you would call life areas um, evenly. You know, their their family, their professional, recreational. They're able to maintain um, all these areas. And this 2018 success planner really helps people get organized and go down that path. It is available at Tom's website, successseriesllc.com. Again, successseriesllc.com forward slash documents forward slash successplanner.pdf or go to successseriesllc.com and under the resources page, you'll find this 2018 success planner and it is again a great way for you to organize not just one small area of your life but your entire um, life it really is a wonderful tool and there's many more you know at Tom's website successseriesllc.com now Tom let's get back to it you were about to start with Principle number 52, go ahead. Principle 52, principle 52 is when in doubt, check it out. So too many people waste valuable time and resources wondering what other people are thinking or doing rather than just asking them for clarification. So earlier I mentioned that oftentimes there's the need for that clarification to really solidify what's being expressed. Successful people don't waste time assuming, they just, ask. So if you consider all the facts and you get the actual facts, or at least that person's perspective, and you can um, understand the situation or the person or the problem or opportunity better, then you can make better decisions. So when you ask, two things happen. You, you find out what those facts are. In other words, you find out the considerations or the, 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 the givens, and then you have... Um, the option to do something about it. So if you simply ask a a clarifying question, um, you might come to learn more information about it. You oftentimes can hear the question behind that question, you know, like the person is telling you something, but there's really something else behind that that they're not telling you. And by asking clarifying questions, you might get to that bottom line. Uh, how, How many times do we make assumptions without checking them out, even simple things like, gosh, maybe you're in that team meeting and you adjourn the meeting and you haven't clarified, you know, when something's due, who's responsible for it. Uh, For that matter, it'd be good to just kind of wrap up the meeting, the team meeting by saying, is there anything else (laughs) that we need to talk about? You know, especially if you're doing a download meeting, like I mentioned earlier, where you're going around the table uh, with everybody kind of telling them, telling each other what, what they're dealing with and how they can help one another or what assistance they need from others. Uh, you know, before, before that meeting ends, uh, I'd better be asking, is there anything else we need to be talking about? You know, I found myself doing this on a, on a conversation the other day on the phone. I can't remember what it was, but it could have just been, gosh, something with uh, making an order on something or something like that. I can't quite remember, but it was something that I was calling – to follow up on an order I had placed on Amazon or something. And it was, it was about a return and some kind of need that, that the 
I had of them to really work with the seller on it. And I remember ending the conversation by saying, okay, what am I not asking that, that you, you deal with a thousand calls like this a day. So what am I not asking that people usually ask about this situation? Just something like that makes it possible. So it's just simple to ask. And when you ask, you, you find out more behind their answers. Uh, oftentimes when you ask somebody to, if they can do something for you, um, they might just say no. You know, like you, you've asked them for a favor, you've asked them to uh, do something maybe in the work setting, and their answer is no. And just to understand why they say no might be helpful. In fact, men are notorious for this, whereas, you know, women are often going to give you the reasons why their answer is no, but men more often will just give you the bottom line, you know, like no details, just no. But if you ask, well, did you mean blah, 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 you know, like uh, will you – Will you do it at another later date, or are you slammed with something right now and you can't spend the time today, but I don't need it until next Tuesday. Is it possible for you to do it sometime next week after your deadline? Or, you know, just ask some clarifying questions so that you can get a better understanding as to why they're saying no, as opposed to just walk away and feel like, gee, you just give me the stiff-arm Heisman and just said no, ask why, and maybe you could get to a, a better understanding. When you check right. your assumptions... Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, you know, if people, if our listeners are familiar with Dale Carnegie's programs or his books, this this would fall right in there with it as well. You know, what I think I hear you say is this, is this correct, right? You know, following up, you know, tie it back to the very first principle you mentioned, be here now. Ask these questions. Get get clarification. Don't assume. Absolutely. In fact, in a one-on-one dialogue, and especially in your significant love relationship, when you have that active listening, one exercise that you might want to try is repeating back to the person what you heard them say. And oftentimes you're a little bit off and they might say, no, here's really the, the essence of it in a, in, a, in a more concise form. And that helps you better understand what they were saying. So the dialogue would be, you know, they speak, you listen. You say back to them what they said. They clarify what you understood. And then you speak and they listen and vice versa. So these checking things out, you know, checking your assumptions out will improve your communication, your relationships, your quality of life, productivity in the workplace. I mean, there's a big list of benefits for it. So that's why it's in this section on, on relationships, because it's so key to determining really a successful relationship. Principle 53 okay. is practice uncommon appreciation. Now, in my research for this, I came across some statistics that just blew me away. So there was a recent management study that revealed that 46% of employees leaving a company do so because they feel unappreciated. 61% said their bosses don't place much importance on them as people. And 88% said they do not receive acknowledgement for the work they do. So these 200 companies were surveyed, both the employees and the supervisors. And those were the statistics as to why past employees left the company. Now, of these 200 companies, the employees' top three reasons to stay motivated as, a, as an individual were appreciation, feeling in on things, and having, an, having a, a boss or supervisor that had an understanding attitude. Those were their top three things that would motivate them. The top three for the supervisors were good wages, job security, promotional opportunities. In other words, a complete disconnect. So whether you're an entrepreneur, a manager, a parent, a friend, Man, having successful relationships with people, you must master this art of expressing appreciation. And by expressing appreciation, you're going to have them feel motivated to have that relationship with you, that, that, that lights-on relationship, that 
wow relationship. So I recommend a book for your significant love relationship called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And the five love languages basically speak of five different methodologies, kind of, of ways that people express and want to have love expressed to them, express love and want to have love expressed to them. And it, it relates to this, this next point that I want to make, that there's, there's three kinds of appreciation because people are both auditory, visual, and kinesthetic. Those are the main modalities that we operate from as, as humans. And when you're expressing appreciation, you want to do it in the form that the person that you're trying to show at appreciation to can receive it. And that's, of course, the, 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 the purpose or the, the uh, object behind this five love languages is that, you know, the way you want love expressed to you may be different than what the, your partner needs. And so you might do to them what you would like done to you, but that may not get their fancy. So auditory people need to hear this appreciation. Visual people need to see it and kinetic people need to feel it. So, you know, when you're, when you're trying to express that appreciation, you want to do it in a way that is meaningful to them. So with auditory people, you obviously want to say something to them have it be something that they, um, you know, you might say something like, gosh, I so appreciate the, the email you sent me the other day. It really meant a lot to me. Whereas, you know, visual people may want to receive a, an email back that says, your, expresses your appreciation. And then a Kesthenic person might want that hug or handshake or pat on the back and just give them that gift of appreciation in that form. And if you want to be a real pro at this, you want to learn which kind of feedback makes the most impact on the person that you're delivering it to. And when you're in doubt, use all three. <laughs> so you want to be auditory, visual, and kinesthetic. You want to tell them, you want to show them, and you want to give them a pat on the back. So there's, there's ways that, that really would help um, determine the success of expressing your appreciation and having it really felt and heard. And that's going to obviously impact in a positive way, the relationship and know that this appreciation is often something that we, by expressing it actually get back multiplied. It, it sends out this vibrational um, state that you can't help, but, also feel so they they receive it but you in giving it are in that state as well and that state of appreciation and gratitude is really a state of abundance you're, you're focusing more on what you do have rather than what you don't have and, and because of the law of attraction then that that brings to you that like attracts like and so that appreciation that gratitude is going to come back to you and then it'll just be kind of an upward spiral of ever-increasing abundance that just keeps getting better and better for you. You know, for, for this reason, I, I keep a gratitude journal. And it's just this little book that, uh, that I write three things a day that I'm grateful for. And I know you've got a gratitude blog, Aaron, uh, don't you, that uh, speaks and, and has blog posts of a similar reason in nature. Uh, but, but that's the value of it is that there's this, there's this um, place, this state that it puts you in as well. So it not only helps the person that you're expressing that agreement, I mean, that appreciation to, but it's helping you with this state of abundance. And then to go back to what I was saying at the beginning of this principle, it helps keep employees, you know, it keeps people happy. It keeps people on the job. It feels like to them. They're being appreciated. That's going to be a motivator. They're going to do better work. And obviously, in a love relationship or a significant relationship, your parents, your child, uh, your, your significant other, you're going to have that same response. They're going to feel you're going to be in that state of abundance, showing them appreciation. They're going to be uh, feeling that, receiving that, and therefore expressing it in the relationship. So that's principle 53. Principle 54 is keep your agreements. Now, 
I'm going to go way back. So at 18 years old, I attended the S training, and the S training was one of the early human potential trainings that was founded by Werner Erhard. And Aaron, I know I'm speaking to the choir here because you attended it as a five-year-old or something, right? I mean, your parents were taking it and brought you and your siblings along, but um, it was the predecessor to the Landmark Forum, which exists today and is one of the best, most attended and highest transformational results uh, workshops, seminars that have ever existed and exist to this day. So as a listener, look into the Landmark Forum, which the S training is no longer, but that evolved into Landmark Training. And it is um, uh, far in between one of the best things I've ever done in my life, and it, it obviously started me on this road to uh, human en enlightenment. And in that training, I learned agreements that I try to keep to this day. And I say try because, gosh darn it, you know, it's, it's tough to live a life that is perfect of keeping your agreements and speaking impeccable and, you know, all that we've talked about, but we do our best. And Werner Erhardt is quoted as saying, your life works to the degree you keep your agreements. Now, when you don't keep your agreements, you pay both internally and externally. Like externally, you're going to lose trust and respect and the credibility of others. But internally, it's kind of like you learn to distrust yourself. You have this loss of self-esteem and self-respect so that every agreement you ultimately make is an agreement with yourself. You, you can gain the respect and trust of others, which is critical to accomplishing anything important in life. But when you take keeping your agreements seriously, you raise your own personal living standard. And the agreements that I spoke of as far as um, uh, the S training was concerned um, are, are really um, four in number. It can be summarized in four. There's, there's more in the, in the training, but number one is make only agreements that you tend to keep. Now, ironically, in every workshop that I give, I have a ground rules at the beginning of the weekend uh, that people agree to. And I actually have, you know, on page one of their workbook, you know, an agreement to sign. I don't have them handed in. It's not like I'm policing it for them. It's for them, for their selves. And inevitably when they're, when they're hearing the rules of, of the game, they're also um, recognizing ones that they know they're going to break. <laughs> it's ironic. And so later on in the weekend, I'll ask them, you know, like, how many of you kept all your agreements so far? And, and there's very few. And those that you broke an agreement, did you know kind of when you made the agreement that you knew you weren't going to do it? And it was things like, you know, showing up on time and, you know, not drinking alcohol throughout the weekend until we're done. And, you know, things that they're really going to facilitate and assist in, in having the transformation that's uh, the reason they're there. But um, ironically, you know, the first one is make only agreements that you can keep. And then typically when we make agreements, we know we're going to perhaps break some of them. So, you know, try to, try to stay on track with it. Uh, number two, if it helps, write them down. Write the agreements down so you can kind of keep a sense of what's hanging out there, what you've told people uh, deadline-wise or what you're going to do. Um, you know, again, I'll advocate Evernote, uh, which I use on an hourly basis. I was going to say daily, but I, I'm in my Evernote app hourly. And one of the, one of the things that, uh, one of the notes that's in my Evernote app is agreements. And I'm writing down what I've said I'm going to do by when. Uh, communicate any broken agreements at the first opportunity. And by the way, I would, I would also add to that to the appropriate person that can actually do something about it. Um, you do, just because you have a, a deadline, let's say, that you've given and you're, you're finding it difficult to meet, doesn't mean you can't renegotiate that deadline. Talk to the person, communicate it to them as soon as possible. And then lastly, and this is one that, um, you know, people pleasers find very difficult, is learn to say no more often. 
So um, the best way to keep agreements is to make ones that you'll, you know you will keep. And one of the ways of making sure that you're making agreements that you know you will keep is to just say no more often. Don't feel afraid to say no or say yes and then give it a time that give the time that you can do it. So somebody might ask me to do something. I'll say, yes, I'd be glad to do that for you. I can do it next Tuesday. Um, I'm just slammed for now, you know, to use my earlier example, um, uh, because I'm trying to meet this deadline by Friday. I may have to work on it over the weekend, and therefore I can get yours done maybe on Monday or Tuesday of next week if that's okay with you, you know, something like that. Now, I spoke of this rules of the game and having more detail to it, uh, because, again, this comes under this, this, uh, this section that we want to um, uh, get a little bit more specific on. Um, one of the most powerful trainings that I ever took was one called Money and You. And Money and You was created by Marshall Thurber. And I took it with uh, Robert Kiyosaki and David Neenan. If you know that name, Robert Kiyosaki, he was the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, which was, oh, gosh, maybe 15 years after uh, the Money and You. Um, but um, in, the, in, in Money and You, there is a, um, a set of guidelines and those guidelines are more of an elaboration on these S training uh, uh, ground rules that I just gave you. So I wanted to give those as well because it gives people ideas as to how they can integrate this into their life. Now, again, these are called rules of the game. And Money and You, by the way, is a workshop that's not just about money. It's about life. And so these will apply to your life. And if you can uh, do so, You'll, you'll find there be much more successful relationships in your life. So be willing to support your purpose, value, and goals. So as you're creating these um, uh, life experiences, you want to keep the context of how you engage in life, these rules of, the, of, the, of life, the rules of the game, with number one, being willing to to support the purpose. So if you're in a group setting, you know, team setting, you know, are we all agreeing to supporting the the purpose? Speak with good purpose. If you disagree, number three, if you disagree or do not understand, ask clarifying questions. Number four, make only agreements you're willing and intending to keep. Number five, if you can't keep an agreement, communicate as soon as as soon as possible to the appropriate person. Now, the appropriate person is somebody that can actually do something about it. So just because something needs to be uh, fixed, which is number six, by the way, when something's not working, first look to the system for corrections and then propose a system-based solution to the person who can do something about it. So you don't want to just complain. You don't want to just whine about it. You want to find the appropriate party that can actually do something about it. And by the way, in my team management, I would go so far as to say, if there's not an obvious person that can do something about it, then you could volunteer to be that person. Like, come to me with a solution to the problem, not just the problem, but come to me with a solution and then take the bull by the horns and be the one to actually initiate that correction or uh, ask of the group, you know, who's best skilled to be able to solve it to get back on track. And then lastly, be responsible. No blaming, no defending, no justifying, no shaming, you know, all those things that we've talked about. This group of rules of the game is kind of a synopsis, if you will, of everything we've talked about because it's talking about um, conducting yourself in your own rules of engagement of living in how to, to uh, what your conduct is. And then obviously people will, will come to know you by how you conduct yourself, your character, your, your means of expression of appreciation and thanks and, and impeccable speaking and keeping your, de- your, your, your word and deadlines and the like. So um, if you really want to up the ante with these rules of engagement or rules of the game, then you make a public declaration of some kind of a consequence either in the team setting, you know, I've, I've seen things as simple as, you know, if you're, if you're late, you put five bucks in the kitty kind of a thing where, 
you know, that, that buys refreshments for the next group. That might be like a big, you know, uh, conference or something where, uh, you know, you might have, you know, a hundred or more people with a team meeting. Um, you know, maybe if you're, if you're late, you have to, you know, there's some consequence that you come up with as a group. In fact, you, you've got something going on in the way of accountability with your brother. Describe that to the listeners, Aaron. Right. So my, my brother and I, every week on Monday, uh, send out a list of things, tasks or accountabilities that we plan on accomplishing that week. So in the next seven days, I'm going to contact this person. I'm going to, you know, clean the kitchen, whatever it is, and we send that list to the other person and update throughout the week so the other person knows where we are with our accountability. Um, You know, this is what I'm accomplishing. This is what I still need to accomplish. And at the end of the seven days, if we have not accomplished everything on the task that we sent to each other, then we have to give $5 on our Starbucks card. So each one of us has a Starbucks card. And if, let's say, I don't accomplish all my tasks, I have to put $5 on my brother's Starbucks card. And it kills each other. You know, we, it's not something we want to do. It's only $5. <laughs> but, I mean, my brother will send me a photo, will text me a photo of a Starbucks coffee cup that he just bought. And it has my name mm-hmm. on it because essentially <laughs> I bought it. Yeah, right. So he's drinking coffee for free on me, you know. And yeah, you, you talk about a, a group, Tom. Um, you know, I referee soccer, and one of the high school referee associations that I belong to, we have a meeting every month. If you miss that meeting, you have to pay a fine of ten dollars. And at the end of the high school season, as we go into playoffs and we have our meeting to discuss the playoffs, we all meet at a pizza parlor, and the fines pay for the pizza and the beer. So we get uh, as much pizza or beer as the fines pay for. <laughs> Got it. Yes. Good, good. So. Well, then let's uh, close with principle 55, which is the last one this says successful relationships in Jack Canfield's book, The Success Principles. And that is to be a class act. So we should all strive to become the kind of person who acts with class, who becomes known as a class act, who attracts other people who are a class act into our sphere of influence. And what a class act basically is, is someone who's got a higher level of awareness, a higher level of modus operandi. You know, there might be some some standards that you have for yourself that are maybe more demanding and exacting than those of conventional society. And that higher standard is what makes you a class act. Um, you know, oftentimes when we're not acting as a class act, it's because we have some fear or some worry or some anxiety that's causing a response. And if we can just settle ourselves and center into being a more enlightened uh, being in our everyday life and conducting ourselves with these standards we've talked about, uh, it won't just help your relationships, but it will help you as a person, the person to enlightenment in your conduct, in your, in your successes. You'll have better results. Um, a person with class typically maintains grace under pressure. And what I call this is a duck on water. So you want to be like a duck on water where, you know, underneath you're paddling like hell. I mean, your feet are just going a thousand miles an hour, but on the surface, what people see, you're just gliding along. You're just like sliding along, like no worries, no anxieties. People are attracted to that. It gives a calmness, and that calmness gives courage. And so that's a quality that you want to, to express in this, in this being a class act. 
you also want to take responsibility faster for your actions and tell the truth about your failures and really be more um, transformational in your defeats. Uh, you know, failure is, is, is just learning. It's not failure unless you quit. So mistakes are great moments, and if you can admit them and learn from them, that's just positive. That's feedback, and you can move on and, and maybe be a better person from it. You know, success doesn't teach us as much as failures do. Um, I'm much more successful in my life, both personal and business life, from, from my failures than I am from my successes. And what this will do, this will increase confidence in others, too. You know, I mentioned earlier about this ripple effect that, that takes place. Um, when you're a class act, you have an influence on others. Uh, there's an energy that's put out there into the cosmos, if you will, that those around you will feel. And that energy level is real. And, um, you know, one of my early mentors was Coach John Wooden, the UCLA basketball coach. And I got to know Coach at a young age attending basketball camp as a, uh, gosh, I was probably 12 or 13 when I did my first camp, and I did many camps. Got to know him and his wife intimately and later became great friends. In fact, I put on a coaching clinics with his grandson. We'd put on basketball clinics. And, and Coach and I, and, and Coach was like this with everybody, so this is not unique to me, but anybody you know that, that knows Coach Wooden will have these same stories because he was a class act. He was this way with everyone, but he was very personable. He, he, he used to say he's not coaching basketball. He's teaching life to these young men that have been entrusted to him. But one of the stories I remember most was, um, you know, every coach hates cutting basketball. You know, there's tryouts and, 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 you know, when you're done (laughs) and coach would, he was notorious for playing like five or six players and then obviously there'd be, you know, 10 or 12 on the bench. But you'd have 20 guys, maybe 30 guys, you know, trying out for the team. And, and obviously in later years as UCLA became such a powerhouse, I mean, he won 10 national championships, most of anyone in the history. And eight of them were in a row. And, um, you know, obviously there was a lot of recruiting going on. So, you know, making the team was either redshirting some of these other uh, positions to be filled and, and every coach hates the cut because, you know, most coaches just put the list of who made the team on a bulletin board in the gym and you either made it or you didn't. But what coach would do was so typical, John Wooden, he would meet with each player one-on-one and he would tell them their strengths and weaknesses. He would tell them why. I mean, he'd give them feedback as to why they hadn't made the team and how they could improve and, and he'd encourage them, you know, come out next year kind of a thing. And it was one of those things where, you know, you simply choose to live by these higher standards and you watch people like that, man, it is an example. It's a model to which you can follow. And that class act starts to rub off on you. And then soon enough, you rub off on your sphere of influence. But don't forget, your sphere of influence is is rubbing off on you. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So be clear, be selective, be, be aware of who those five people are because they are going to influence you immensely. And those personal standards that you will express, and in fact, everything we've talked about in the, in the call today, in this podcast today, are standards that not only will make your relationships better, will make you a better person, will elevate you as an individual, will transform your relationships from poor to good, from good to excellent, and then obviously the view and the, the uh, expression of self that you would have as a result of, of conducting yourself in this way would be helpful to becoming the person that you want to become, which is your highest and best self, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. It, it really, you know, bringing it all together, you know, I'm going to summarize and I'm going to be very simple and say the law of attraction, you know, positive creates positive, negative creates negative, create successful relationships. Um, it is amazing in business. I mean, it, it's 
you know, my personal experience, it's much easier in business than it is in personal relationships. Um, and I really have to work hard. That's where I work harder is on the personal relationships. And it's that fear, you know, that fear of rejection, whatever. But to create successful relationships, you know, be here now, have that hard heart-to-heart talk with your significant other. Um, Tell the truth. Speak with impeccability. Um, You know, when in doubt, check it out. Ask. Ask the hard questions and listen to the answers. Uh, Be grateful. Practice uncommon appreciation. Keep your agreements. And then like you say, round it out. If you could do all that, you are a class act. And maintain. You know, people will gravitate towards you. People will want to help you. Uh, it, it is just absolutely amazing the mm-hmm. transformation just from this. You know, these things. It's just amazing. It really is, Tom. And want to thank you. Um, for making it the topic of this month's talk with Tom. Uh, do you have some final thoughts or action steps that we should take here, Tom? Well, I have both actually. Um, you know, one of my final thoughts is that it's ironic that um, I will, uh, February is Valentine's Day month. So I wanted the theme for everything we do in success series to be relationship oriented, just like January was goals. And um, with relationships, it's ironic that that the timing is is ironic because I need to hear this stuff myself. Like I need to do this research myself. I need to dig into these things myself. We all are constantly trying to better our state, our living, our world, and obviously relationships are a big part of that. And you 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 hit the nail on the head, Aaron, by saying it's it's usually fear because if it's not love. It's fear. It, it, behind it all, and positive, is love. But behind it all, and the negative, is fear. And, you know, they're both four-letter words, but they have such a diverse difference. And because of that, it, it's, it's good to be reminded that these practices can actually show up tangibly in one's life. And so what I would encourage the listeners to do for their action step is to pick one of these or start with the first one and work your way down all eight and try to integrate them into your life. Because what will happen is if you do it as a regular practice, it becomes a habit. And then if you do it as a habit long enough, it's just your lifestyle. It just turns into who you are. And, and like I said, we all will struggle with maintaining that lifestyle. So you'll have to come back to it. But I would say that that would be the action step for the month would be, gosh, pick one of these and, and master it or start it to get to get habitual with it or um, start working your way down the list. If you're already doing some of those practices, then pick some others that you're not doing and try to integrate them into your life. You know, I also wanted to uh, talk a bit about this success planner that you mentioned. So our 2018 success planner is not just a time management tool, although it is, but it's also a life organizer. And so it can help you keep track of all aspects of your life, both uh, personal, uh, business, recreational, et cetera. And and obviously relationships are intertwined in all of that. But hopefully by now you've outlined your 2018 goals and this will, this, this success planner will help you create your action plan to achieve them. And it's not just your average monthly planner. So, this is a success principle success planner from my good friend and mentor, Jack Canfield, just like we spoke of the success principles in this episode. So uh, Jack, uh, because I'm an affiliate with Jack Canfield, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to pass this success series personalized planner on to you. So we've, we've personalized it to the success series audience, and we've made some specific changes uh, to it. But inside of the planner, you're going to have a daily, monthly, and yearly uh, time-tested 
uh, reminder of these success principles. You'll have fill-in-the-blank templates that you can use exactly how I use them to increase my confidence and tackle my daily challenges. You'll have guidelines that will be reminders, inspirational quotes throughout it, um, really help you keep on, on track with purpose and achieving your goals. So I'd urge the listeners to please, this is a free resource, please download it. Again, you can go to successseriesllc.com slash documents slash successplanner.pdf, and it'll open right up into a PDF form that you can print out in um, a book form and, and have the whole year ahead of you to be able to plan your, your focus days, your rest days, and your planning days. Um, those three are the general categories that you want to break out your week into so that you are planning your work, working your plan, and then rejuvenating or recreating in order to gain energy to do it again next week. So, again, download it uh, free. You can go to my resource page at successseries.com. I believe it's one of the first downloads on the page. Excellent. Well, Tom, as always, thank you once again for taking the time, sharing your time with us, um, sharing your thoughts with us. I do want to remind everybody, you know, Tom just mentioned it, but this um, is sponsored by Tom's free 2018 Success Planner and Life Organizer. Again, at successseriesllc.com forward slash documents forward slash successplanner.pdf or I would recommend you go to Tom's website successseriesllc.com and check out the whole website if you haven't done that already and you'll find this under his resource page. Um, I'd like to remind everybody that Talk With Tom is one of the many free resources that Tom provides to help you grow your life and build your business. And if you would, please rate this podcast on iTunes, which would help tremendously with keeping the podcast visible so people who have never heard of it can discover it. And if you've already done that, well, thank you very much. We are very grateful for that. And Tom and the Success Series team appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast And we look forward to you joining us right back here on the last Wednesday of every month with a new episode of Talk with Tom. And speaking for Tom Hart, I wish you a successful month. Goodbye.